Welcome to episode eight of the Play Like a Champion show, a podcast from the Play Like a Champion Today educational series. I'm Pete Piscatello. I'm joined by Kristen Sheehan. We want to thank you for listening to today's podcast. This marks the second episode back after our summer break. If you missed last week's conversation with Michael Poole or any of our previous episodes, be sure to go back and take a listen. We've had an opportunity to sit down and learn from some great leaders in sports. You can find the Play Like a Champion show in all your favorite podcasting services, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and more. While you're there, make sure you click the subscribe button so that you're alerted to new episodes as they're released. And if you would do us a favor and rate and review the podcast, we would greatly appreciate it. It provides valuable feedback and helps others to find the show. And finally, you can connect with us on social media at PLC4Character. That's at PLC, the number four character on Twitter and Instagram, and at PlayLikeAChampion on Facebook. You can visit our website, PlayLikeAChampion.org. Today's guest is another good one. We got to know Bishop Michael Olson from the Diocese of Fort Worth several years ago. He was a featured speaker at our 2015 Play Like a Champion Sports Leadership Conference. And we're excited to have him with us today. And I am excited to again be joined by Kristen Sheehan. Kristen, first, how are you doing today? Hey, Pete. I am doing well. It is a beautiful fall day. And I'm looking at a robin's egg blue sky and some fluffy white clouds. And I got my dog champion next to me hanging out while we're working through the afternoon. <laughs> I think I think Champion is the official mascot of the Play Like a Champion show. He'll he'll take it, and I know you listeners have heard him bark. He's he's a he's a big guy, and I took him out for a run before the podcast today, and he stuck his head in a burr bush, Pete, and he had burrs all over his face and his ears. It was a real mess. <laughs> <laughs> That uh, that sounds like it, and I know Champion likes to occasionally get into a little bit of trouble. So uh, uh, he's a little rambunctious, and that <laughs> took that bird bush for a real ride. <laughs> I bet he did. I yeah, see what happened to the bird bush there. So, well, Kristen, let's get to our guest today. Uh, tell us a little bit more about Bishop Olson. Sure thing, Pete. Uh, we are in for such a treat. Uh, joining us on our podcast today is. Bishop Michael Olson, who was born in Park Ridge, Illinois, and grew up in the Chicago area, uh, where he attended St. Mary's Parochial School and went on to graduate from Quigley Preparatory Seminary North. Um, and then he went to Catholic University, where he earned his bachelor's degree and master's degree in philosophy. He also, just wait, Pete, until you hear all these degrees. He also has degrees in uh, M, a Master in Divinity and an MA in Theological Studies from the University of St. Thomas in Houston. And he received a CRS, Catholic Relief Service, Global Fellowship in 1993, in which he traveled to Egypt to learn about global development and social justice, which I think would be incredible. Um, he's a past recipient of the Presidential Fellowship at St. Louis University, where he studied at the Center for Healthcare Ethics in the Catholic tradition. And he earned his doctorate in moral theology at the Academia Alfonsiana in Rome. 
sounds very fancy. I love that. Most importantly, he was ordained a priest and backing up a little um, in the Diocese of Fort Worth um, in June of 1994. And he began his priestly ministry as the parochial vicar at St. Michael's Catholic Church in Bedford, Texas. Um, he was named a, um, a Monsignor in 2010 by Pope Benedict. And in January of 2014, Bishop Olson was ordained and installed as the fourth bishop of the Diocese of Fort Worth, uh, an event that over 10,000 people from all across North Texas attended to celebrate their new pastor. Welcome, Bishop Olson. Oh, thank you, Kristen. It's nice to be with you. And Peter, it's really nice to be with you as well. All right. Well, let's start by asking a question to help our listeners get to know you a little better. I said that you grew up in Chicago. And so tell us a little bit about your childhood and your upbringing. Well, I, I was one of five children, uh, the only boy. Um, my parents uh, were mixed marriage. My father was Lutheran. My mom uh, was Catholic. Uh, we were raised as Catholics. And uh, really, we... Um, took part in our parochial school, St. Mary's Catholic School, and uh, our parish. And uh, so school and faith formation really went together. So did service. And, and part of that also was athletics. Um, uh, athletics was um, important uh, in our in our household. Was, it was more important even in our school. Um, and the chance to play, um, was always uh, sought for, you know, I think um, uh, like we would, it was back in the day when you could have like a pickup game of uh, softball and you get enough kids to play outside at that time. And so um, it, sport was recreational and sport also uh, fostered friendship, you know, and uh, um, accountability. So uh, besides that, there was always, you know, being a, an enthusiast for sports and for as a team, uh, you know, for the Bears and for uh, the Chicago White Sox in my case, um, and uh, whoever plays the Cubs in the other case. Uh, uh, but it was, uh, uh, I think, just a part and parcel of life, you know, and so very important in childhood and remains so today. I hate to break to uh, Bishop Olson, but he is a Cubs fan. It's true. <laughs> keep you in my prayers. <laughs> okay. Well, we're going to gloss over that part of your childhood, but uh, I'm curious, you know, now and throughout your, your priestly ministry and as a bishop, um, what role has sports played sort of later on in life after childhood? Well, um, in my priestly ministry as a pastor, um, I, I found, you know, especially the sports at our junior high level, um, was was very important to get kids um, involved, all right, and to pay attention to things like learning how to cooperate, uh, how to uh, collaborate in, in um, an effort to win, um, but also to excel and to grow and develop. I also found it helpful when I, I would go to the games, um, and it was an opportunity for ministry uh, with parents and family members, just visiting and talking with them uh, in the stands. And um, many things like uh, helping to regularize a couple's marriage, 
um, just simply being present and encouraging uh, people and hearing about their lives uh, and getting a better sense of what's needed as a in the parish and what I can offer as a pastor, I thought sports offered that sort of opportunity that was both a diversion and also very important to the development of their children and their development as parents as well. Um, as a bishop, um, having, having done a, a lot of work in education as a seminary rector, um, I found that the equilibrium of the college kids, uh, the seminarians, was very important and much improved if they had a chance to play sports. Um, not simply burning off excess energy, but in a sense to direct that energy um, to place um, their whole being uh, on the line for their own formation and development uh, in healthy competition, um, in, in uh, planning, um, and also really what I saw with them and in them and through their example uh, was something that the church teaches very truly in that the human being is a body-soul composite. And our responsibility as the church and within the church, particularly as pastors, is to care for uh, the people of God, body and soul. Uh, we're not just like souls trapped in a body or angels or ghosts in a machine. And the integration and the collaboration of um, the, the body and soul together, including uh, the mind, uh, the emotions, the psychological aspects of people, has to be integrated and developed. And I think sport provides an excellent vehicle for that aspect of development. And I see that true as well as a bishop, as far as bringing, uh, bringing kids together. And uh, more than that, also working with parents where some aspects of life in our greater society that have been neglected, I think a Catholic understanding and appreciation for sports is, is very helpful in addressing. And that is, for one thing, the importance of rules, all right, and, and rule playing by the rules, uh, and also uh, having opponents but not enemies. And in a sense of being indebted to your opponent for helping you to excel and to grow and develop uh, and not just simply in an attempt to obliterate or resent an enemy. And I think in our culture and society, part of what we're facing is that we have too many enemies um, and we refuse uh, to, to understand people uh, can be opposed to something uh, but that doesn't make them an enemy. I think there are two primary ways that we make mistakes today in society. And that is we, we see life as just entirely contingent upon chance. And so we live life like with the false entitlement of a gambler, or we see life as a war. And we see everybody who's different than me and maybe some who aren't that different than me uh, as an enemy and someone to be feared. And, uh, and I think a Catholic understanding of sports, which I think is natural, helps us uh, to really work against those two extremes, the middle sense of what, what's valuable about competition, 
what's valuable about having an opponent just as much as it's valuable about having teammates. And so those are just in a nutshell, kind of my insights, I guess, over uh, my lifetime so far in ministry. But thank you for asking. That's a really impressive overview and very well spoken. It really fits beautifully with the play like a champion philosophy. And so just to go a little bit into that, uh, we've been a partner with uh, the Diocese of Fort Worth uh, for many, many years in providing uh, coach education and consultancy and parent education. And um, so maybe you could just speak a little bit about uh, the role that play like you see play like a champion playing with your sports and your diocese at both the youth and the high school level. Oh, I, I'm very happy to do so. I think you know, one of the things I've I've discovered uh, about being a bishop or or even prior to being a bishop, uh, being, say, a professor in a school is that um, uh, you, you know, you you're known by your people at home. But if you go 30 miles away to a different diocese, you're presented as an expert. <laughs> and so there's something about uh, the value of being outside of home. Uh, to give you um, maybe a little more objective accountability. And one of the things Play Like a Champion has done for us is that it's provided a resource uh, beyond just our best judgment, but an objective resource and in, in wise experience from around the country and a structure for delivering that information and experience. And it's also, in a sense, uh, helped uh, us to be better uh, and, to, and to grow and develop our own formation programs and education programs in our schools. And I'd have to say one of the biggest areas that's uh, the greatest areas and assistance that Play Like a Champion has offered us has really been in parental development. Um, and, and what I mean is that it's teaching parents along with their children about the value of sportsmanship, about the value of respect, and, and also the accountability of setting an example and bringing them in uh, to help them to really live their baptismal and marital vocations as husbands and wives and fathers and mothers. Um, and that, that's been very good and very, very helpful uh, especially as we've attempted in the diocese to develop family-based catechesis. And uh, so much of, uh, of what we're, we're called to do in evangelization not only has to do with the dignity of the human person, but what's essential to the dignity of the human person is the integrity of family life. Um, because the family really is uh, the, the basic cell of community, of society, and also in many ways of the church. Uh, and so Play Like a Champion has been absolutely invaluable for us. Oh, that's, uh, that's, thank you for saying that. We have very much enjoyed our time with you in Fort Worth. And for many years in a row, I would get to go every August and, and, and lead the workshops and uh, enjoyed some really nice uh, dinners with you. And I appreciate you for taking the time to care so much about educating your coaches and your parents. Um, you know, in the last, I mean, our, our church has provides such high quality sports for our children at very low cost for families. 
And it's also providing, as you noted, a family experience. If we bring um, catechesis to the sport ministry event. Um, now, over the last two decades, travel teams uh, across our country have proliferated, and they often charge very large sums uh, for children to participate and play on those teams. And this is a concept that we refer to and the world refers to as pay to play. Uh, so I'm wondering if you could um, you know, speak to the morality of this culture, because what ends up happening inevitably is those without the funds to pay to play uh, get sidelined or completely left out of the game. And unfortunately, our, our church doesn't do that. But many, many people are moving into these pay to play sports. And in many cases in the cities where maybe there isn't a CYO or a Catholic league, the recreational leagues are closing, leaving many kids without a, a space to play. So I'll just ask you just maybe to comment on the morality of that in our world. Well, I, I, I'd be very happy to. Um, we live in, I think, one of the greatest countries in the world, the greatest country, and so blessed with so many resources, and we have so much freedom. One of our challenges, though, is that we tend to want to resolve every challenge or uh, or problem we have exclusively by the free market. And something like formation and education of our youth um, exclusively is, is not a commodity. Uh, and, it, and it really defies the law of supply and demand uh, because everybody has this demand and we also all have this supply. And, and I think when we turn to, in the sense, a pay to play, um, what's happened is that there's, you've entered a world where the customer is always right and parents really become the customer, all right? And then they have a demand uh, for delivery of the product that they see that they're entitled to and that they've been promised. So the focus no longer is on the game. It's no longer on the healthy development of the student, but it's on satisfying uh, the, the demands uh, the, of uh, delivery of an economic product, which really, it, it, it changes the focus on the student, which is really the point of education. Um, I think also, uh, if you're going to focus access that way, you're going to exclude a whole host of people um, that, that are human beings and require sport and are still a part of our society and community. One of the, one of the many things of which I am proud as the Bishop of the Diocese of Fort Worth and of our schools and of our athletic program among our schools in, in education is that um, if, if a school does not have enough players uh, to form a team, those players get access to other teams. And so there's a, there's, there are teams being formed among schools. And so that what's fostered is competition and not resentment among our different parish schools, uh, among students and players that will hopefully one day play uh, and, and be educated and informed at our Catholic high school and then on to college. Um, one of the things that the diversity among our students is something I'm very proud of. Uh, not only racial diversity and ethnic diversity, 
but also economic diversity. And I know the coaching staff at Nolan has worked very hard in developing um, partnerships uh, and collaboration among students from different diverse backgrounds. So they get to learn and not only each other, but their families, that they have an opportunity to develop real friendships that are not imbalanced by things like finance or society, but are brought together by balance out of love for their children and for the good of our society. If we did this more frequently and more intentionally, we would be able to develop a healthy way to address necessary racial sensitivity and avoid death feeling things like uh, critical race theory that brings about violence and separation uh, where really communion and solidarity are needed. Bishop, I think you touched on a lot of important subjects there and certainly things we want to expand upon here in the next uh, few minutes. One of the things you've mentioned already here, and you actually spoke at our conference, gosh, five years ago now, four years ago, five years ago in 2015, uh, you were one of our keynote speakers and your session was entitled Sports and the New Evangelization. So I'm wondering if you can share a little bit with our listeners about that topic of that presentation uh, sport and new evangelization, and you know your experience uh, speaking to that. Well, it, I'd certainly be very glad to do that. I've touched on a little bit, um, but one of the things, just uh, one aspect of this, is that um, I noticed something among uh, talking with some of the the students in my parish school when I was a pastor, and that's not too long ago, but um, they were very much involved in fantasy sports, okay? You know, the fantasy football, uh, fantasy baseball, and you know, developing a team, you know, and it's all done statistically, et cetera. I did it as a, a high school kid, but back then that was before the internet and we used the sporting news um, as, our authentic, as our authentic verification of statistics and we did everything by hand and, you know, that it was pre-computer, but what I noticed is that um, there was a deeper and deeper loyalty to an individual player and not to a team. And they were valuing players for output only for their statistical value and not really you know, wanting to emulate them or learn from them uh, that it is uh, um, you know, that, that in a sense, the loss of an understanding of what a team was became something where it was just compiling statistics um, of the performance of individual athletes. And, you know, more students, as I said at the time, you know, they wanted to own Paul Goldschmidt than play like Paul Goldschmidt or own Aaron Rodgers more than to play like Aaron Rodgers. And I was thinking that there has to be with this with the work in computers has to be more development into an understanding of the team and the value of competition uh, and not just seeing something as a commodity or a gamble is uh, a sense of gambling. Um, I, I think that um, th that's part of what the throwaway culture uh, pushes for that the Pope is very critical of and is drawing our attention to is that people are only valued for utilitarian purposes. In other words, how useful or productive are they as measured by the bottom line 
uh, and not getting to know them as people and in a shared endeavor and a shared struggle to excel, you know, and overcome disadvantages, et cetera. And I think that um, that that really it was a big topic of evangelization. Uh, I think sport brings people together. It doesn't just teach people skills and it does that. And it doesn't just teach people um, character traits and it does that. But I think sport uh, is a way by which we can um, understand how luck is a part of life, but luck doesn't dominate life. We can understand how uh, the, the importance of winning, but that losing doesn't destroy life. And then also the importance of teamwork uh, in collaboration that everybody does their part and can excel in their part and in their uh, their position. Um, and and especially though the goal is uh, the work together of the team for, for victory, uh, but, but a hard-earned and honestly won victory. Um, I think you see what, what I see in our society, you know, and not complaining like wringing our hands, but we have a very big problem about people telling the truth and that people have a right to know the truth. And we have people, you know, who want to change narratives all the time instead of engage in right reason, you know, and sport has a narrative, but it's also based upon uh, how people interact in accord with agreed upon rules. All right. So you have to have rules in order to have a game and to have a sport, uh, not and to level disadvantages so you have as fair a competition as possible. Uh, without that, there's no excellence, you know. And um, you know, see more and more where, you know, I think there's a confusion and a blurring of a line between, um, you know, excelling and putting your best foot forward and really pushing yourselves. And then, you know, cheating, right, or uh, gaming the rules to a disadvantage. And if, if we do sport right, we will work against that and we can inculcate basic virtue and character as members of a family and members of a society in our common home. Well, you certainly have a, a deep perspective on, on sport and the value it is to develop individuals, but also, as you note, communities, because individuals are part of a team and through the teamwork and the discipline structure, the team will excel together in collaboration. Uh, you're, um, you're not alone in our church in uh, the belief that sport is a powerful tool for human development. Uh, the Vatican Dicastery for Laity, Family, and Life published a document in June of 2018 on the value of sport, and it was called Giving the Best of Yourself, a document on the Christian perspective on sport and the human person. So Play Like a Champion hosted a symposium on this document in March of 2019, and that symposium developed into the publication of a book this spring entitled Play Like a Champion, Following the Vatican's Lead to Elevate the Culture of American Sport. 
And I know I had the opportunity to, to mail you a copy of that, Bishop Olson. And um, so not that I would expect you would have had time to read it, but um, I know that you are aware of the Vatican's document. And one of the things we lay out in this book is what we call a pastoral action plan for dioceses to live the Vatican's vision for sport. And I just wanted to ask for your thoughts on those four elements of the pastoral action plan. First of all, um, you know, we, we understand each the human person by our human nature, all right? And we're created in the image and likeness of God, all right? The only creature, the only being that's so created, even the angels aren't created in the image and likeness of God. And even more so, that dignity is, um, is made clear by the incarnation of, of the second person of the Holy Trinity, the Son, you know, in, in the fullness of the humanity of Jesus Christ. Uh, the development of the human person involves mind and body. There's four basic dimensions of the human person, the biological, the physical, in other words, uh, the psychological, the social, and then the creative spiritual, right, which is the most defining of what it means to be human, but uh, it's the most uh, unique about human beings as opposed to the other animals, uh, but it's not the only one. And while there's a hierarchy of these dimensions, they're integrated and they're interrelated. So they depend on each other. Sports especially, um, it, mean, it involves the mind and strategy. It involves... Uh, a sense of uh, balance, uh, equilibrium, uh, you know, eye coordination, hand-eye coordination, all these things. It also involves, uh, in a sense, a psychology to it, um, you know, to focus on your immediate goal with a, with a broader goal in mind as well. Um, and there's also a social aspect of it. Everybody's part of a team, even in individual competitions. Um, you know, whether the sport be fencing or, um, or wrestling or um, any of the other one-on-one -on -one type of sports, they're still part of a team, uh, as, as, as opposed to the most defined team sports and team endeavors like football and baseball. So integral development is important, uh, you know, being part of a hierarchy. The, the sports programs that address training for sports administrators, coaches, parents, and those who work in pastoral ministries serving children with quality education. This, I think, comes down to accountability, um, and not just accountability by a superior, but accountability with those who have been entrusted to your care uh, for education, uh, and so that we're always accountable, and especially those of us who've entrusted with education or leadership or stewardship in these areas like coaching are accountable uh, for the example that they set. Uh, because really the type of education in sports, you, you can't really read a book to teach you well through sports, but you have to look at someone who excels all the way around in sports. So coaches, players who've played a little longer than you, people who can help you to practice uh, and set an example without just simply practicing mistakes, right? The old, the old maxim of it's not that practice makes perfect, but perfect practice makes perfect, right? 
Um, and I have my golf swing to testify to that. Um, you know, sports should create a culture of inclusion is the third point. Um, absolutely, uh, because inclusion in a sense of that, uh, everybody's doing their part. There's a diversity of roles and positions in a game and in a sport. Uh, and there's also a sense of where your opponent is not your enemy and your teammate is also not simply a pawn for your own personal uh, and individual success. Um, and so inclusion means that I have to be willing to place myself in a sense at risk in a small R there with, you know, I mean, anybody playing a sport or physical activity, there's a certain risk involved but for the sake of the greater good and for my neighbor, who is both a teammate and, it, and also an opponent. Uh, finally, point four, uh, that sports are designed to create a culture of encounter, peace and mercy. And I would just say that that builds, that builds uh, on what went before. I mean, um, teammates are not just simply based on religion or um, you know, race. Uh, there's a sense of, um, you know they're they're based on in 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 the, the role of 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 either male or female uh, is only tied to the performance of, of what of uh, physical strength or prowess or or, or that but not God given ability uh, but all of those things you know designed then to create a culture of encounter peace and mercy sports are on display. All right, in a sense, that's why they're spectators, but more than spectators, they're enthusiasts, they're fans, they have um, a, at least an emotional stake, or in the case of family, a, a social stake in the excellence of those performing and playing in the sport. Um, and that's what differentiates, I think, sport from just simply being a celebrity or being famous, um, is this element of, of purpose and display. Uh, and so with that comes encounter and then peace and mercy. A game and a contest will come to an end and then opponents can become respectful friends and not enemies. And I think that's if we do sport well. So I, that's a nutshell there, but uh, uh, those are my thoughts on those four points. And I think they're very valuable for our reflection. Well, expanding upon this uh, in, in our book, one of the suggestions we make uh, based on just the popularity of sports and, and some of the comments in the, the Vatican document uh, is that the USCC embrace, USCCB, excuse me, uh, create uh, sort of an apostolate that embraces sports ministry. Uh, and, and given the proliferation of CYOs and parochial leagues throughout the country and obviously the importance of sports in our high schools and things like that. I'm wondering what your thoughts are on this and perhaps even more in general, um, how the church in America can not only embrace sports as a ministry, uh, but, but sort of work to both understand uh, the role it plays in our society and many of the wonderful things you've said, but really sort of work to implement uh, <laughs> some of the uh, the, the understanding of sports in the ways you've mentioned today? Well, I'm, I'm in favor of an inclusion of an office for youth ministry and athletics involved in that uh, for the development of, of youth. It's part of education. Um, if we're not addressing these aspects of it 
Uh, we're not really educating the whole person. And, um, and at least that's the approach we've taken here in the, in the diocese. Um, and I, I think the USCCB as a conference can foster that very well. And so I'm an advocate for that. Um, and I think so. I think also, though, we can't be afraid, all right? Uh, we, can, we can't be afraid to go into sports education. I mean, uh, in some ways, we would rather want to stay away or be tempted to give in to fear because of the vulnerability of youth and because of past transgressions against vulnerability. I think sports requires accountability, and we, we have the resources and we have the knowledge and the vast ability to be accountable and protective of the vulnerable. Um, and, and, and I think that when we give in to fears like that, we've given the game away, so to speak, and we're, we're neglecting our responsibility that God has entrusted us with. Um, and so um, I think it, it also requires good practice, all right, in order to develop education. Uh, if we try to do this only theoretically first, well, you know, you can't think your way into right action, but you have to write and to act your way into right thinking, you know, and that sense of practice. And so what are we doing well and where are we doing it? And I think sometimes uh, too many of our schools are sort of left without guidance and direction that they end up trying to do too much on their own uh, when really solidarity is called for, especially uh, between those who have, who have more uh, and those who have less, that in a sense, sports equalizes a lot of things, provided we have sound access and a level playing field. Well, that speaks right to the heart of our like champion mission in a program that we call a team for every child. You know, that all, we believe every child has a right to play sports. And as we watch some of the more vulnerable children, perhaps in more difficult financial circumstances and households, are not always included in a team. And, and so it's, it's wonderful to hear how your diocese does have that culture of inclusion um, on your teams. And, and we do believe that it is a place where education um, about, you know, there is no racism on a team when you're all team members and you're teammates, and you're working together. Um, and I think that that's a powerful place to educate young people about the, the value of every human person. Um, so we'll continue to advocate for that office in the USCCB, and we hope someday we can we'll see that the creation of that. Uh, well, we're we're coming to uh, nearing the end of our interview, but uh, you talked about the vulnerable, and in 2020, boy, all of us have become so vulnerable due to our global pandemic with COVID-19. And I wonder if you could comment about how it's affected your diocese, particularly the children in your diocese and how you've been responding to that. Oh, certainly. It's, um, you know, it's been a challenge uh, all along, but it's, um, uh, I've been fortunate that I'm very blessed with a very good team here um, of, educators, of priests, of uh, my deacons, our seminarians, uh, and the people, the lay leadership in our parishes that um, as things started to shut down early when the pandemic first hit us in uh, April, 
in our diocese, we were, we were really the last to stop public mass among us here. And then we took that time. Um, our priest always said mass. We did live streaming immediately. But our goal was to come back online, I mean, in person, uh, with safety measures, you know, so that we could serve body and soul. And so we've had public mass uh, with social distancing, with masks, with sanitizing and other and such temporary norms and measures as communion in the hand only, no communion in the chalice since May 2nd, all right? And uh, on my part, it's been important to continue to work with not only my priests, but our security teams, et cetera, to build morale, uh, to remind people what we're accomplishing and providing an essential service. Uh, and it is essential to the human person because we're spiritual beings. And as Catholics, um, you know, uh, live streaming will only do so much. And it's, it's, we're a sacramental people. Well, we can do that safely. And it's brought home again the idea that we're composites uh, as human beings with dignity. I think it's brought a sense of teamwork. There's been, you know, people, the endurance of people have been challenged, you know, where we're tired. And then the social unrest that's happened in certain segments, uh, you know, uh, it, that's when the work of the police um, has has been brought under excessive, excessive views. And at the same time, the need for better formation and ongoing accountability for racial justice has to be looked, has been looked at as well. And people playing on emotions and losing, uh, losing their balance in the church. We, we've done our best to maintain an equilibrium uh, and the equilibrium that can only be found in Christ um, and Christ who is present in my neighbor. You know, and so I think um, our folks have been very good about uh, donations, uh, food, food pantry, uh, developments of that outreach to shut-ins. Uh, so, you know, that were there before COVID. Uh, but, you know, as, as we know, where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more, but has been brought to our attention more with the compassion of, the, of Christ uh, during this pandemic. And so... That's really what's been going on. I'm very happy our schools have had in-person education. We've had sports, all done with social distancing, all done in cooperation with the public health people here uh, and approval. And so uh, we're, not, we're not being defiant of anything, but we're working with our, with the, our, our local and civil government. But doing our part is the church. To be to bring a solution and not just exacerbate a problem. Well, Bishop Olson, we at Playwright and Champion are so glad to be a part of your team of leaders in the Diocese of Fort Worth, and uh, we are honored to have you as our guest here today. And I, you know, I wanted to. I know you know this, but I don't know if our listeners know this that. I grew up in Northwest Indiana, so just over the Chicago line. So I grew up a White Sox fan also. And my uh, dad used to take me to the games. Um, they're always evening games. I have very, very fond memories. And 
I would assume you you went to a few games as a, as a child growing up to Bishop Olson. I I did. Uh, my father was a Cub fan, and we lived on the north side, so we tended to go there more. Um, the uh, but but I loved going uh, to a night game at Comiskey Park. You know, um, at the time, and I still there's something just exciting and riveting. And, and I, I mean, I'm I'm I have a preference for baseball. Um, as a, um, you know, I, I think it involves people more, um, the fans and the spectators. There's always so much going on, uh, and it looks like nothing's going on. So a lot of times, um, that's life, and I, I, I just find it. So I loved, I just loved uh, the sport uh, and uh, following a team, you know, being part of it as a fan. Well, we won't tell viewers how old we are, but I am just two years younger than you, Bishop Olson. So I bet back in the 80s, early 80s, we, we might have just been in the same Comiskey Park game together one evening in the summertime. <laughs> quite possible. That's quite possible. In the way the White Sox were playing then, we probably could have counted <laughs> and met each other. There wasn't a lot of people there. Of That's right. Well, speaking of the White Sox right now, they're, um, I, I just pulled up the score. They're playing game three in uh, the wild card round, and the series is tied with the Oakland A's. But right now, the Sox are ahead three to zero on the bottom of the fourth. All right. That's right. I was actually, I hate to tell you, but I was looking at that on my phone. Oh. <laughs> We're talking, but they look. they look good this year. The pitching is good, and in, in spite of all the COVID and everything, um, I, th I, I'm very hopeful for, uh, um, always hopeful, but very, I think hopeful for good reason this year, um, that they may make the series. And if they make the series, um, it's even exciting because the, the way, uh, COVID has changed the game this season is that they'll be playing here in uh, globe life park. So, uh, and who knows, uh, Peter, they might even be playing the Cubs, but, uh, uh, I mean, you talk about civil unrest in the city of Chicago. I think that, that might, uh, might prompt some things there, but yeah. Well, that's terrific. I will, I will say that anytime we have a, uh, a podcast interview uh, where the guest is checking baseball scores during the podcast, I'm perfectly fine with that. So uh, uh, yeah, certainly will maybe even hope the White Sox uh, advance in the playoffs for your sake. How's that? Yes. Well, thank you very much. And someday maybe I'll be able to say the same about the Cubs, but I'm just not there yet. <laughs> so anyway, but, but, but may the better team win. There we are. So thank you. Oh, gosh, thank thank you. you so much. We um, assure you of our prayers to play like a champion for your leadership and all of your teachers and your coaches, and especially the safety and well-being of your children. God bless you all. Thank you. God bless you all too, and you're in my prayers. Kristen, I really enjoyed listening to Bishop Olson's comments on, gosh, a number of important topics. What did you take away from his comments about the importance of youth sports and the church's role in that endeavor? Oh, gosh, so much, Pete. He's he's very learned. And as I introduced him, you heard all of his degrees. And, and yet he also has a way of being very down to earth. I wanted to just share a story 
uh, when I very first met him, I was flying down to Fort Worth to do workshops for the diocese. And I got picked up by the athletic director and he said, well, I'm taking you back to my house because the bishop is waiting to meet you. Now, it was a Thursday evening, nearly 11 p.m. And so I, I laughed. I thought he was joking. And he said, no, I'm serious. He wanted to greet you personally. And so I went to his house, you know, and he hangs out with people that are parishioners and they become friends. And um, he sat there and he greeted me and he talked to me um, just, you know, not like a, you would think sometimes maybe my age, I'm always a little intimidated by a bishop, um, but he was just a, a person. And he also told, um, told the story about how when he got called by the papal nuncia to be told and, and identified that Pope Francis had elected him as the next bishop, uh, he said that, oh my, I was so surprised. How was I selected? And the papal nuncia said, Pope Francis is looking for pastors and shepherds, not administrators. And so I think he came across as a shepherd today. Yeah, without a doubt. I think that's uh, so true. And one of the things I've really taken from a couple of interactions with Bishop Olson is you mentioned being down to earth, but his passion for sports is, is and people, as you just mentioned, is really you know easy to, to see. Um, I just think it's it's great to see that in any public figure. Um, but, you know, we were talking offline. We talked a little more baseball. He was, you know, interested in knowing where I'm from and what sports I played as a kid. And, uh, you know, certainly not questions he had to ask uh, offline, but uh, um, just love to have uh, those qualities in our bishop who uh, um, is really able to, as you said, and, and Pope Francis has said on multiple occasions, uh, it's about that pastoral quality. So I think that's that's really awesome. Yeah, I agree. It was nice to talk to the shepherd of our church today. Yes, without a doubt. Um, and we are grateful that all of you were here to join us. So we want to thank everyone for joining us here on the Public Champions show. Remember, you can subscribe and download to our podcast on your favorite podcast platform and connect to us on social media. Also, a reminder to visit our website where we continue to debut resources for athletes, coaches, and parents. If you'd like to learn more or have any questions, including questions about the show, don't hesitate to email us information at playlikeachampion.org. Kristen, thanks as always for being here. Looking forward to our next conversation next week. Thanks, Pete. And thanks to all our listeners for joining us. Have a great week, everyone. And wherever you are, remember to play like a champion each and every day. Thank you.